Okay, if you have your Bibles, open it to Acts in the 10th chapter today. I was going to call this message today, Catching Up with God. You know, sometimes God's ahead of us. We're not quite following him. Totally. Catching up with God. But I thought maybe the simpler title would be Change. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to talk about change. Now tell him, it's time for change. Amen. How many know God changes us? Amen. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. God changes us. Amen. But sometimes we're resistant to change. Can I have an amen? You know, and it's true in the natural and it's true in the spiritual. Even Jesus said, you know, no one likes the, the new wine right away. They want the old wine, right? We're used to the old. We're satisfied. We're comfortable with the old. So change doesn't always come easy. Can I have an amen? You know, there was a time that we didn't have all these nice automobiles like you have sitting out here, pickup trucks and SUVs and all this stuff. You know, there was a time when everybody got around with uh, a horse and buggy, horse and carriage. And, uh, but there came a time when somebody invented uh, the, uh, the horseless carriage or the car, the automobile. I guess I looked it up on the Internet. It was about 1886. Somebody invi- invented a motorized vehicle. And I looked at it. It looked like a, it looked like a big tricycle. Okay, it had a, a, a motor, a 0.75, three-quarters of a horsepower motor on it. And, uh, you know, that, that vehicle changed the world. Amen? It was like a revolution. But some people resisted the change. Can I have an amen? Some, in fact, some people are still resisting the change. <laughs> You know, 140 years later, still resisting the change. And, you know, all change is not good. You know, some change is bad. But some change is good. Like, like I mentioned, you know, I got up at, uh, well, I got up about 5, but I left my house at 8 o'clock, and here I am preaching the gospel in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, because of a horseless carriage. Can I have an amen? That's right. Change is good. Change is good. I remember when... Uh, they started coming out with seat belts. You all, that's, you know, I know you're, you're not uh, from ancient history like me, but there was a time when we didn't have seat belts. But then there was a time when the government says, you need to use your seat belt. And boy, that made my father mad. He was so mad that he had to put that seat belt on, and he was resistant of that change. See, sometimes we're resistant of change, but the change is for the good. Amen? And I'm thankful that I have to put my seatbelt on because a few months ago I was going to a Bible study, my wife and I, and we're driving down the river road on the St. Croix River on the, on the Minnesota side. And all of a sudden, boom, I hit a deer or a deer hit me. And thank God for the seatbelt and the airbag and everything else because otherwise we would have had our heads smashed against the, the uh, windshield. So, everybody say change. change. Amen. Like uh, Arby says, different is good. <laughs> it's okay to change. Can I have an amen? So, Father, we thank you today for the privilege of being with your precious people. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we open our hearts to change. Whatever change it is that you have for us, Lord, may we be open to it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' holy name. Everybody say, Father, I thank you for your word. Open your word to me. I open my heart to you. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my church. Have your way in this community. Have your way in Wisconsin. Have your way in the world. Your kingdom come in me and in this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you today about change. 
And as I thought about coming to visit with you and sharing this morning, I was just drawn to Acts chapter 10. And uh, I know Pastor John uh, kind of got his start on Acts chapter 9. It, it, he got in trouble preaching Acts chapter 9 about Saul's conversion, but it also began a new chapter in his life. Uh, he was open to change. Everybody say change. Change is good, amen? But we resist change. But in Acts chapter 10, it's a story that features two men in particular that needed change in their lives. One was Cornelius, and the other was Peter. Now, in Cornelius' case, the reason that he was not able to change is because nobody told him about the change that he needed. Nobody had given him the message of the gospel, so therefore he could not change. He was hungry for God. He was willing to change. He was ready for change. He was devoted to God, in fact. But he could not change because nobody told him. But then there was Peter, who was a man that also needed to change. And he actually had the information he needed to change, but he would not change. So God had to do some very supernatural, spectacular things in his life in order to open his heart to change so that he would do what God wanted him to do because God wanted him to preach to the Gentiles. Great revelation. Peter, I want you to preach to the Gentiles. Peter, I want you to reach the world for me. Oh, it's a great revelation. You know, it's just a supernatural revelation. But you know what? Peter should have known it a long time before. Amen. Jesus told his disciples, go into what? All nations and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says in Mark 16, go into all the world. He didn't say go into Jerusalem and a few miles around there. He said go into all the world. Amen. And in Luke, he says that he said that the message of repentance and remission of sins should be preached in all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the beginning. Amen. Just like in your life, there's been a, probably a beginning in Christ, but there's more to come. He's not only the author, but he's the finisher of your faith. He has more for you. Turn to your neighbor, shake him up a little bit, and say, he's got more for you. Come on. I'm not here today to put you to sleep. I'm here to wake you up, folks. Amen. <laughs> You've been comfortable long enough. It's time to get moving with God. Can I have an Amen. Hallelujah. So Peter, he had the message. He had the message from Jesus. And he was, he was knowledgeable in the scriptures, right? And we just heard it this morning, Isaiah 55, about that God was going to go to the nations, go to the Gentiles, that, that they were going to worship the God of Israel. So, But in their mindset, in the mindset of these disciples, even though Jesus had declared it, Several places, uh, you know, we read about in Mark, Matthew, Luke, and then also in Acts. What's it say in Acts 1.8? You shall receive power. Everybody say power. You shall receive power when? After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. You shall set up the church in Jerusalem. No. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. God has a world vision. Amen. Amen. God is speaking expansion to us in our vision. He wants us to come alive to his vision for the world. Amen. And his vision for our lives, which is much bigger than what you think it is. Amen. God wants to do much more in your life than you could ever believe. Amen. So take the blinders off, take the lid off your thinking, and begin to see things God's way. Everybody say change. He should have known it. Many scriptures in the Old Testament talk about that God was going to minister to the Gentiles. Jesus specifically instructed them to go to the Gentiles, and yet here we are in Acts chapter 10, the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, 
and the, the apostles had not yet gone to the Gentile nations. So here's a man that's hungry. His name is Cornelius. Let's begin to read in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So he's a soldier. He's a leader, like a lieutenant or a captain. A devout man. And one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So here's a devout person. Here's somebody that wants to do the will of God. He is yearning to do the will of God. He's giving alms. He's praying. He's seeking the Lord. Amen. By the way, are you seeking the Lord today? Amen. Seek and you shall find. Amen. He says, you will seek for me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Amen. I want to encourage you to seek the Lord and spend time with him. Amen. Amen. Don't just get up in the morning and have your coffee and shoot out the door. Amen. Take some time with the Lord. Amen. Spend some time with him and listen to what he has to say because he'll make you more successful than you would ever imagine. Can I have an amen? This old world's got its routine, but amen. Get off the, uh, get off the, the um, treadmill and get with God and listen to what the Lord has to say to you. This man was a busy man. He was a leader in the Roman army. But it says he was a devout man. But you know what? Even though he was devout, even though he gave away his money, even though he prayed, you know what? He wasn't, he wasn't saved. He had not yet been born again. And the Bible said, you must, be, you must be born again. You know, you can do good works. You can do all the things that people think uh, make you righteous and godly. But unless you're born again, you'll not see the kingdom of God. But I want you to know that God noticed what he was doing. Amen? He says, well, I'm going to make sure this guy gets the message. Amen? I want to make sure that he hears the message of my son Jesus, who died for his sins, that he might be forgiven and that he might have eternal life. So I'm going to make sure it happens. Amen? So it says in verse 3, he saw a vision. Everybody say a vision. He saw a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day of an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. Amen. Thank you, brother. And when he looked on him, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. God is remembering what you're doing, Cornelius, and he has sent an angel to speak to you. Do you know there's angels? Did you know that our God is a God of the supernatural? Did you know that there's more to life than what, you, than what you can see with your eyes? There's a spiritual realm, amen? Jesus said, God is a spirit. And then that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, amen? And I'm here today to wake up your spirit, amen? In fact, uh, I'm here to wake up my spirit. I want us to be awake and alive and alert unto God, amen? Come alive, amen, because God is a spirit and God is supernatural. He does supernatural things. The whole, this whole book is filled with the supernatural power of God. Amen. Starting from page one in Genesis, amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, amen. And it was dark up upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, amen. And the power of God was released in creation. And it's been continuing to be released all throughout the chapters of the Bible and it continues to be released today. Can I have an amen? I was ministering at a church in uh, Devil's Lake, North Dakota. What a name, right? Devil's Lake. We found out it shouldn't be called Devil's Lake. That really wasn't what it was originally called. It was, uh, I can't remember the, the original one, but it, somebody translated Devil's Lake. It shouldn't be Devil's It shouldn't be. How many know it shouldn't be Devil's Lake, amen? It's not the Devil's Lake, amen? The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. But anyway, I was ministering in a Presbyterian church in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. And uh, 
you know, the, the pastor wanted to have a uh, movie night. So they showed this movie, The Chosen. I haven't really watched The Chosen, but it was, it was the first episode of The Chosen. And uh, so they were going to show the movie, and then I was to preach afterwards. And so they show The Chosen, and in the first episode, they have Nicodemus there. And Nicodemus was commanded by the Roman soldiers to go and cast out a devil out of Mary Magdalene. And he went, you know, and he's, he's going, in the name of, you know, everything he could think of. He was throwing everything he could think of at this demon. And finally, the, the woman looks at him and says, Teacher, you have no power here. Anybody seen The Chosen? Some of you have, okay. <laughs> you have no power here. So I got up and I preached a short I mean, it's, it's kind of late, and we had watched the movie and had some worship, and it's kind of late. So I preached a short sermon on the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I said, what Nicodemus couldn't do is because he didn't have the name of Jesus, but we have the name of Jesus, yeah. the name above every name. And we began to pray for people, and there was a man that came up that had fallen uh, while he was doing yard work. He tripped and fell backwards and hit his head. And it did something to his neck, and he could not, he could not do this, he could not do this, he could not do this. He had this major problem in his neck, and the medical people had done everything that they could do, and they couldn't fix it. They gave him every test, every uh, CAT scan or MRI and all this stuff, but nothing helped. So I laid hands on him in the name of Jesus and commanded healing into his neck. And all of a sudden, he's got a big smile on his face and going like this. And we come back for the, we had like three nights of revival. Came back the next night. He's testified. He gets up and testifies. I'm healed. Praise the Lord. Because God's a God of the supernatural. Amen. And he's still doing the same things today that he did yesterday. Amen? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. He's the God of the miraculous. So here's this angel speaking to Cornelius. It says, And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. He says, well, just call for Simon. You know, Simon Peter, he's over at uh, Simon the Tanner's house. Go over there. He's lodging there. How many know God knows your address? <laughs> you ever wonder, where are you, God? <laughs> Have you ever been there? Lord, what's going on? He knows your address. Amen? He knows every hair on your head. Amen? So when the angel which spake to Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And on the morrow, so they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city. Peter went up, Peter went up upon the housetop to do what? Y'all have your Bibles? Peter went up on the housetop to pray. Everybody say pray. pray. About the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would, would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So here's something else very supernatural, right? He falls into a trance. We don't think that is part of Christianity, <laughs> but it's right here in the Bible. That means that his... His natural senses were suspended for a time. He wasn't seeing with his eyes. He wasn't hearing with his ears. He wasn't feeling with his feet. He was seeing in the spirit. He was in a trance. It sounds almost spooky, but it's supernatural. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's supernatural. And he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending to him, 
as it had been a great sheet knit by four corners and let down to the earth, whereupon were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have, not, I have never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God has cleansed, call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received again into heaven. Now when Peter doubted in himself what this vision that he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius, right on time, you see the timing of the Lord here, had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. And while Peter thought on the vision, The Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Praise the Lord. So he has this vision of these four-footed beasts and all these creeping things, all these unclean animals, which is forbidden for the Jewish people to eat, right? Their tradition said, well, actually, in the law, it said, don't eat, you know, this certain, these certain animals. So he had, this was in his mindset, but how many know God was bringing change? Now, God was not speaking to him so much about his diet, amen. He was speaking to him about the Gentile nations. He was trying to open his understanding about his will concerning the non-Jewish people. And he used this vision to do that. See, sometimes God speaks in symbolic language. Amen? See, Peter, when he got this vision, it, it was obviously very clear. It was supernatural. It was, he was in a trance. He saw it, but he didn't really understand it. But it jogged his thinking. Amen? It shook him up. Amen? It shook him up. Turn your neighbor and just shake them up a little bit today. Amen. I think we need some shaking up today. Amen. Let's shake one another up here. Praise God. But it shook him up, right? And then the Spirit spoke specifically to to him, go with them, I have sent them. So Peter's mind must have been in a whirlwind, but now he was prepared to do the will of God. Amen. God had done some things in his life to prepare him to do the will of God. Amen. And this is how God works. You know, there's a scripture in the, in the Old Testament that God comes and, like the eagle, stirs up the nest. He'll stir up the nest, you know, so that we'll start flying. You know, the eagles, they have these little eaglets, of course, in the big, in the big nest, and they're nice and comfy. They've got, they've got all the feathers and all the sticks and whatever else, and they've got a really nice, comfortable home. And, but when it's time for them to start flying, the mama eagle or the papa eagle or however it happens stirs up the nest, right? Kind of breaks it up and pushes them out <laughs> so that they begin to fly. And then I guess they'll fly, and if they begin to sink, then the, the, the mama eagle will come down and get underneath them and take care of them. But eventually, they're going to learn to fly because fly, he's stirring up the nest. Amen? And so sometimes God stirs up the nest to bring change. I know God brought change in my life. Back in 1977, I was in the drug thing, the drug culture, hippie culture, uh, addicted to alcohol, but searching. And God spoke to me, turned from the things of the world. And I knew the gospel, but I wasn't following the Lord. And I lift my hands, I said, yes, Lord, and I surrendered to the Lord. And everything changed. Everything changed in my life. Amen? I've never been the same since that day. I was instantly delivered of the addictions that were in my life. Praise the Lord. I began to have love for people that I didn't have before because the Holy Spirit came upon me. Amen? And in me. And my life has never been the same since that day. But I found out, you know, after that day, he, he's not done changing me. Amen. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, 
It says uh, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is liberty. And it says, we all with open face beholding in the glass, the glory of the Lord are changed from glory to glory. So thank God you got saved, but God's not done with you. Can I have an amen? He wants to do more, amen, as you look at the glory of God, as you spend time in his presence. I know I've shared this story maybe twice with you already, but it's coming to mind over here, not far from here, Shell Lake. In Shell Lake at the Full Gospel, uh, Shell Lake Full Gospel Church, the pastor now is Reg. Uh, Reg, why am I spacey today? Uh, Reg Myers. Reg Myers was changed. And I'm not going to give the whole testimony, but he came to Shell Lake and he was born again and he got married to one of the ladies in the church and, you know, but he still had a stronghold in his life. And he, once in a while, he would fall off the wagon and get back into alcohol. And so one time he got into alcohol, went to a bar, and got in a bar fight. And the pastor had to go and bail him out down here in Wisconsin somewhere, not far from here. So the pastor bails him out. He's all embarrassed, you know. He's, he's in the church, but he's not, you know, he's not doing just right. And, He's embarrassed, you know, and his, his wife's a real pretty, nice Christian lady, you know, and it's just hard on. But you know what? He said, I'm going to pray, and things are going to change. And so every morning he got up and he went down in the basement, he began to pray and seek the Lord. And uh, one of his scriptures was, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So he consistently sought the Lord every morning before he went to work, prayed and sought the Lord. And he'd come up from the basement, and his wife would look at him. She'd say, has anything changed? He'd say, no. But the next morning, he was down there again. He just kept praying. And uh, one day he came up, and she didn't ask, has anything changed? Because she could see (laughs) he had changed. He had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in other tongues. He was full of the glory of God. And his face showed it. Amen. You know, the scripture said, Arise and shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. It says in one translation, you will be radiant. God's will for you is that you would be radiant with the glory of God. Was that the name of your business, radiant? Radiant. That's good. We're to be radiant in this world. Amen, but we need the Holy Ghost. Yeah, thank God for salvation. That's the greatest thing. But God wants to move you into the Holy Ghost. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to move you into greater things. And you know, in my life, you know, like I said, 1977, everything changed. Glory of God came upon me. Then in 1983, the Lord called me into full-time ministry. He stirred up my nest, and I began to pastor a church, and I pastored for, you know, many years, almost 22 years, and uh, thank God for that experience, but God started stirring up the nest, stirring up the nest, and there was a long time that I was uncomfortable in the nest, (laughs) because he was stirring it up, but I resisted that change. Because I knew that God was calling me into evangelistic work, to travel and to be part of the ministry to the wider body of Christ, not just to one local church. I knew that, but I felt very insecure about it. You think about it, if you have income as a pastor and you've got three hungry mouths to feed every week, four, <laughs> including my wife, you know, it's a, it takes a takes a step of faith to stretch out and do something new. Amen? It's not easy to do something like that in the natural. Amen? Even if God's calling you to do it. You know, the scripture said, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And I researched that word good, and one of the definitions is valiant. You see, because many times fear keeps us back from the change that God wants us to have. 
In order for him to order our steps, we need to be valiant. We need to believe his word. We need to feed on his word. I sense right now, in the last uh, several months or year, God has been bringing a transition in my life again. But it's going to take the power of his word. I'm going to need to believe his word to step into it. I'm going to need the strength for the new level. Amen. But you know, God was stirring up my nest. I just, I kept pastoring, kept pastoring, kept pastoring. But finally, in 2005, I just said, I'm going to pray and seek the Lord. And I spent almost that whole year in prayer. And God continued to speak things to me. And I began to write them down and review them. And he gave me certain scriptures. He began to, to download certain thoughts into my mind about my future. And it wasn't easy. The things that he was saying, how can I do that, Lord? But finally, I was convinced enough that I stepped out. And that's in the, into the ministry that I'm in now. And you see, it's the same with you. God has other steps for you. God has more thanks for you. You know, don't get so comfortable in the nest. Amen. God wants you to fly like an eagle and do some things for him. And why it's so important is not only for you, but for the world. You see what happened in Peter's case? All the world was not hearing the gospel because of his disobedience and all the rest of the apostles. And in their case, it was their tradition that was holding them back. It was their tradition that was keeping them from doing the will of God. Even though it had been clearly stated by the Lord, they were not willing to step out and do what God called them to do. And, you know, after, after Peter preached in Cornelius' house, he got called on the carpet by the other leaders. They said, well, you went into Gentiles and, and you ate with them? Well, this is terrible, Peter. So Peter recounted the story about how God had supernaturally put this together, and then they accepted it as the will of God. And that's very, very significant to what happens in the world. You see, God takes little things and does big things with them. And I think we read there, or maybe, it's, maybe we haven't got there yet, but it says, when Peter came, there were many people to listen to him. But you know what? It was a house meeting. Yeah, it was many people for a house meeting. Peter preached to 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. He maybe was preaching to 40, 50, 60 at the most here. It's a house meeting. It's a little thing. But you know, this event in Scripture is so significant. It's so significant. It's a pivotal point. Because then he went to the leaders, called on the carpet. He explained what God was saying, and they accepted that, hey, yeah, we're supposed to minister to the Gentiles. So the next thing you know, the church at Antioch opens up, which is the bridge to the world, really. I mean, the Antioch church was the church that, that sent missionaries, Paul and, Paul and Barnabas, later Paul and Silas, into the nations, and the gospel began to expand throughout Asia and Europe. That's, I mean, oh, that's significant. And then, as Paul was preaching to these churches, establishing these churches, the Christians were being established, then these Judaizers came along and started preaching, well, that's nice you're saved, but you know what? You have to be circumcised if you want to be really saved. And so Paul, of course, contended with them, and then they went back to Jerusalem and asked them, well, what about this? Well, then Peter stands up and says, well, you remember what the Lord did back at Cornelius' house, how he made a decision that we should minister to the Gentiles, that he's opening, up, opening them up, you know, to the word of God. And then James got up and, and preached, you know, some scriptures from the Old Testament, and they made a decision not to hold them accountable to be circumcised. It's not by being circumcised you're saved. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. So you see the significance to... Our meeting today, we're, we're singing songs about faith in Jesus and what he did for us and about heaven because of all this. Because Peter was finally obedient enough to go and preach to them. Amen. And they received the message, and all this was pivotal to the whole plan of God. And, you know, something you're doing that you may think is insignificant may be very pivotal 
to the will of God. You know, there was a, a, a businessman named uh, Edward Kimball, and uh, he knew Jesus, and uh, he was in Chicago, and he kept running across this shoe salesman, and God was just prompting him by the Holy Spirit to talk to the shoe salesman about Jesus. And so he's afraid. Anybody ever, you don't need to raise your hand. Anybody ever been afraid to talk to somebody about Jesus? <laughs> so my, another story now. My, my wife was, she had knee surgery a month ago. And so she was in physical therapy the other day. And, you know, she, the physical therapist is talking to her. And, and he says, well, what are you doing this weekend? And... Uh, so she says, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to be at home. My husband's going to preach uh, in a church in Wisconsin. And she, then she mentions the pastor's a former, former Amish. And, uh, you know, but he left the Amish. And so the, the uh, physical therapist says, uh, well, why did he leave the Amish? So she says, well, because he, he believed that you must be born again. And they didn't accept that, and so he was booted out of the Amish. So she, she gave your testimony. But he heard the words, you must be born again. And see, this is how God works. We're witnesses unto him. It's not always a sermon. Sometimes it's just a little word. Sometimes it's just touching somebody and praying for him in the name of Jesus. Is being a light, is living different than the world lives. I mean, it is, you are being Christ to the, to the people. Amen. So Edward Kimball, he's being prompted of the Lord, but he's resisting, he's afraid. Finally, he musters up the courage and nervously talks to this shoe salesman, and the shoe salesman prays to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. What a victory, right? But the shoe salesman's name is D.L. Moody. <laughs> and he was like the greatest evangelist of his generation. He reached multitudes for the Lord. And then out of his ministry, many other evangelists were birthed and influenced. And somewhere along the line, Billy Graham is in that lineage. And you mentioned Franklin Graham. It's all, you see, it's like a, it's, it's like a cycle God keeps working, seed time and harvest. You know, he just, keeps, he just keeps moving. He just keeps moving. So there may be something God's calling you to do that's going to change the world. Can I have an amen? amen. Hallelujah. How exciting. Well, let's see if we can get a little further in this chapter. Pastor John read a whole chapter this morning, so I, I can do that too, I think. I have permission and they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and, a, <clears throat> and of a good report among the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee to his house and to hear words of thee. To hear words of thee. You know, the scripture in the 11th chapter of Acts, kind of quoting Cornelius are quoting actually the angel. He says, call for Simon, who will tell you words. Everybody say words. Who will tell you words whereby you may be saved. We have the privilege to tell people words whereby they may be saved. Just think of the power of the words. The power of the words that we have to speak to the people of this word, the world. Then he called he in and lodged them, and on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And in the morrow, they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and his friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met them and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am a man. And he talked with him and went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that's a Jew to keep company or to come to one of another nation. So he's going back to this law 
this tradition, says, but, everybody say but. But God has showed me. See, God shows you things. Be sensitive to what God shows you. Amen? And remember what Peter did. He was hungry for lunch. He didn't go in the kitchen to start complaining to the cooks. He went up to pray. Amen? He took that time to pray and wait on God. And he fell into that trance, and God showed him something. See, God wants to show you something in your life. You may think, well, this message is not for me. You know, I'm just, I'm just a housewife, or I'm just a laborer. Or, you know, I'm just a businessman. No, 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 no. God, you know, you know who is a businessman? Abraham. God keeps talking about that we're the seed of Abraham. Look what he did through that man. He was always trying to expand his vision. He says, he says look at the stars. Your descendants will be like that. He says, look at the sands of the sea. That's what you'll be like. Amen. He says, walk through the land. I've given it to you. You know, come on. He's got potential in you. He's got something for you to do. Praise God with your life. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to get happy here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 29, Therefore came unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for, I asked, therefore, what do you want? <laughs> Basically. And Cornelius said, and he tells the story again about the angel. And so then Peter stands up to preach. And let's just look at his sermon here. While I still have your attention span. Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth. Everybody say he opened his mouth. You know, I was at Billy Graham's School of Evangelism, and one of the things that someone taught, and it stuck with me, he says, when you're going to share with somebody, pray this way. Pray, Lord, open the door, open their heart, and open my mouth. <laughs> See, nothing's going to happen until you open your mouth, Amen. Be willing to open your mouth when God opens the door and opens the heart. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So he's speaking out of the revelation he just got, that this is for everyone. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. So there, there's the message that we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. The word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now notice verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So he's going to preach salvation to this household, but he didn't only preach the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached the Holy Ghost. He preached what God did through Jesus. He preached Jesus, who he was during his earthly ministry. You know, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. He's talked to them about the power of the Holy Spirit. He talked to them about Christ and his miracles. Amen. He brought this as part of the message because if we're going to if you're going to preach Jesus, we need to preach the whole Jesus. Can I have an amen? And uh, Christ, you know, the gospel's the gospel's a person. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see the gospel. We see Jesus. He, he heals people. He delivers people. He preaches good news. Amen. He sets the captives free. So he brings that out, and then he says, And we are witnesses of these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. He, in other words, he died. He died for your sins. Him God... God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he which is ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. So he talks to them about judgment. There is a judgment. 
To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Remission of sins. Or you could say forgiveness. You can be reconciled to God. You can be forgiven. You can have a relationship with Almighty God because of what Jesus did on that cross. So, so he's preaching this message, you know. And it says here in verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon all them that heard the word. You know, God says in the last days he will pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. He didn't say just upon Gentile flesh. He didn't say just upon former Amish flesh. Amen. He didn't say just upon white flesh. Amen. He says all flesh. He's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Praise God. And so here they are, supernaturally brought together with the, with the man of God who preaches the word, preaches the gospel to them. And while they're listening to him, no altar call. <laughs> Nobody prayed for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But God, whoosh, fell on them. See, sometimes God works outside of our box. <laughs> Amen? And I believe he had to do something different in this case to get their attention because we had these Jewish people that were with Peter, you know, they were hung up on this stuff about the Gentiles. So God, by demonstration, poured out his spirit upon them. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now how did they know that the Holy Spirit was poured out on them? Was there, did God put a sign supernaturally in the midst and say, I am now filling these with the Holy Spirit. How, what was the evidence? How could they tell that he poured out the Spirit on this group of people? Anybody know? No, not here, not in this case. What's the next verse say? For they heard them Speak with tongues and magnify God. So I said, oh, yeah, I, I, I love Jesus. and I, I, Yeah, I go to church. Oh, I don't want to speak in tongues. I, I don't want to change. Hello? <laughs> Are you ready to change? Are you open to what he wants instead of what you want? Amen. God is calling us to change for our sake, but also for the sake of the world. Why do we need this outpouring of the Holy Spirit to reach the world for Jesus Christ? Because when you're filled up, it comes pouring out of you. It comes spilling out of you and touching the lives around you. Amen. And you become a witness for the Lord and things change. See, sometimes we don't want to minister to certain people because they're different. You know, like Peter, they didn't want to minister to the Gentiles. But God is trying to open up our understanding that there's a whole big world out there and they don't all maybe look like us, amen? But God wants them in his kingdom and in his family. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have a better amen? amen? I'm preaching better than your amen in today. Come on. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. They then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So they baptized the whole bunch, 
And then they taught them the word, they instructed them, they made disciples in that place. Can I have an amen? But you see, God had, God had to do something supernatural for this all to happen, amen? And I tell you what, God wants to do something supernatural in us, amen? But we need to be willing. God has not made you as a robot or a zombie, amen? He's given you a will, amen? But the whole thing is that we need to yield our will to him. For God to accomplish the things that he once done at Trinity Fellowship, Rice Lake, Wisconsin, and in your life and in the world, you need to yield yourself to the Lord. You need to change. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Now say, it's time to change. Say, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you haven't been born again yet. You need to change. This is your day to be born again. Maybe you haven't been filled with the Spirit yet. This is your day. It's time to be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Maybe you haven't entered into the ministry that God's called you or to another level of ministry or a different way of ministry. You know, God has so many secrets that will help us be successful in life. You say, oh, I have to give up so much. No. No. You get so much. You get him. You get his presence. You get his glory. Amen. Amen. So, if you've never received salvation, you know, the word of God says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise of God. So how are you saved? By making Jesus Lord and believing in what he did on the cross and through the resurrection. Amen. You can be born again like that as you choose to follow Jesus. Jesus said, he that follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Praise God.